This week, strategies for preventing drug overdose deaths in Western Newfoundland. This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Willana. Many drug users report their usual sources have dried up during COVID, another supply chain issue caused by the pandemic. Across North America, hard drugs increasingly means synthetic drugs, substances made in labs somewhere that are marketed as cocaine or heroin or ecstasy that are not. But many drug users, desperate to avoid withdrawal, will take what they can get. All too often, they end up with very powerful synthetic drugs that they're not used to and run the risk of accidental overdose when they use. As happened during the holidays in Harbor Grace on the east coast of Newfoundland and Labrador. So what can users, friends, and family do to help prevent tragedies? The SafeWorks Access Program, or SWAP for short, provides harm reduction services for drug users. We spoke with Jessica Rex, the SWAP Harm Reduction Manager in Cornerbrook. And we welcome Jessica Rex, Manager of the SafeWorks Access Program in Cornerbrook. How are you doing, Jessica? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. So I'm glad to talk to you because uh, many of us will have seen those uh, news reports over the holidays from uh, Eastern, uh, Harbor Grace in particular, where there was one overdose death and uh, a couple of other overdoses that were prevented by police uh, using uh, naloxone uh, kits. And um, I just want to bring listeners up to date about what uh, you're hearing uh, from our part of the island regarding um, what people are using and what the situation is on the ground. So talking to people that... uh, that you serve, uh, what what are you hearing from your people out there in the world? Well, anecdotally, we are getting reports at my office um, about an increase in potential overdoses that are um, at times leading to fatalities. At this time, we don't um, have official toxicity reports from the chief medical officer in the province to be able to report on numbers. um, And we even don't have really knowledge about what drug or drugs are causing this increase in potential overdoses. But even though we're not able to report on numbers, of course, even one life lost in our community due to overdose is such a uh, such a tragedy. And so, you know, what we are hearing is that over the past few years, there have been changes to prescribing practices. The pharmacy network has come online. And this has been in an effort to, you know, prevent new types of uh, opioid addictions and also to prevent diversion of pharmaceutical grade opioids from the streets. And while this is certainly, um, you know, positive changes towards reaching those goals, 
The other reality is that many, many people are already addicted to these opioids. And when they can't access pharmaceutical grade versions of the drugs that they're addicted to, then they feel that they have to turn to street level, illicitly manufactured uh, versions of these drugs. The pharmacists are, <clears throat> and the system is being able to uh, uh, to track these uh, uh, double prescriptions, people getting multiple prescriptions and getting getting drugs that way, which then, um, I guess, find their way uh, through sort of recreational on-street uses. So the, so the medical system has sort of tightened up, but that has caused a, a sort of unintended consequence uh, on the street. Sure, yeah, that's, that's sort of the negative side of, of those changes, I think. And, you know, the reality is that these street drugs, they're very unpredictable in terms of what they're actually made up of, what they actually contain versus what they're being marketed as. Um, very unpredictable in terms of uh, potency and quality. And this was always true even before the pandemic, but now with lack of movement across borders and less travel happening, um, the supply is even more unpredictable and more limited in terms of what is available. So what we're hearing is that people feel like, you know, to meet the needs of their addiction, they have to sort of just take what is available to them, even if that's, um, you know, something that they don't know what might be in that drug. Um, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> a concern uh, elsewhere in the country is fentanyl, which, of course, is uh, is very high risk because it's so it's so powerful and just a little bit can cause an overdose. Um, I don't know if we have seen fentanyl in Newfoundland yet, uh, either in eastern or in on our part of the island. Um, have you had any reports about discoveries of fentanyl or fentanyl being found in uh, what people are using? Yeah, so we're not sure about these most recent string of overdoses, but yes, fentanyl has been involved in some of the overdoses that are reported through the Department of Health and Community Services over the last few years. That fentanyl has been involved in some of those overdoses. And fentanyl is, of course, in a synthetic opioid that can be fairly cheaply um, manufactured and then basically cut uh, down because it's so potent. It's a hundred times more potent than morphine or heroin. And so a very small amount of that drug can be added to a different type of drug to stretch that drug, or it can just be added to buffers and other kinds of cutting agents and cut into several hundreds, thousands of doses that can be sold. Um, and so what you know, there's not really a very robust market for fentanyl purchasing. So instead, these uh, these drugs that contain fentanyl and these pills that have been caught are being marketed to people as something else that they are in the market for, when in reality, it contains a very small amount of the drug that they were looking to buy. Um, but enough fentanyl that could actually cause an overdose because people are buying something they think they have a high tolerance for. And in reality, they're buying something that they have little to no tolerance for because even someone who is, um, you know, a fairly avid opioid user, uh, because the potency of fentanyl is so much stronger, even someone who does have a fairly high tolerance for another type of opioid will still have a lower tolerance for the fentanyl. And of course, isotonitazine, or iso uh, I think that's how it's, uh, I feel like I'm pronouncing it wrong, but that's the new uh, synthetic opioid that's being found in the Atlantic provinces as well. And that's even stronger than fentanyl. And that one, um, they believe, I think, was involved in some of the Harbor Grace overdoses. I'm not sure if that's been confirmed or not yet. Um, 
And that one, again, is even stronger. So, um, you know, really important that we're getting the message out there about the importance of getting access to a naloxone kit. Um, naloxone is an opioid overdose reversal. Yeah, drug. I'm, I'm good. Uh, and we, we should talk about that because that was, of course, prevented uh, two potential tragedies in, in Harbor Grace. And uh, and how, how does the pattern work? Are you Do you assume that if it's in Harbor Grace and in eastern Newfoundland, it's going to uh, make the drugs will make their way to the West Coast, or maybe uh, since uh, Stephenville, Cornerbrook, and uh, our part of the island is closer to the ferry uh, and to Port of Basque, maybe um, you know. I guess we have that that route also. So I guess we can't assume that uh, that we're sort of the last uh, to get the drugs uh, because of our geographic location. No, that's certainly true. I, I think that we are in a unique position on the island, given our proximity to the ferry uh, and that connection from the mainland. Um, but we certainly, like I said, we've been hearing about increases in overdoses for several months now in the Western region. So we definitely don't think that this is an Eastern specific issue. Right. So Jessica, you mentioned the uh, naloxone kit, uh, which... Um which uh, thankfully was uh, the police had and um, and saved two lives in in Harbor Grace. And just for listeners who don't know what an naloxone kit is, uh, just tell us briefly what it is. Sure. So a naloxone kit consists of three vials of injectable naloxone. Naloxone is an opioid overdose reversal drug. So it binds to the same receptors in the brain that opiates do, but it binds better. So it actually kicks off the opioids from those receptors and replaces uh, them temporarily by attaching to those same receptors. And those are the same receptors that are responsible for breathing and consciousness. So when the opioids are removed and replaced by the naloxone, it can reverse the respiratory depression that could lead to a fatal overdose. So each kit contains uh, three vials of the naloxone, three uh, syringes to use it uh, to do the injection with, as well as like a, a face mask uh, to do some rescue breathing, to get oxygen to the person, et cetera. And every kit is giving out with uh, training attached to it. Um, and even during the pandemic, when we weren't able to do one-on-one -on -one training in person anymore, we were able to develop a very extensive training package that included videos and um, you know documents um, for review and things like that. So here in Cornerbrook, where I'm located, uh, you can get um, naloxone kits through our program for free, of course. And these are available to anyone who is at risk for an opioid overdose. So that could be someone who has an opioid prescription, someone who's on a replacement therapy drug for a uh, opioid addiction, or someone who's using street drugs and is uncertain of what might be in the drugs they're purchasing. So you can get that through us. Our number is 709-634-SWAP-7927. Um, and you can also reach out through us, uh, you know, search us on Facebook. You can find our text information, email information, and we will deliver that kit to you anywhere in Cornerbrook. But we can also put them in the mail for anyone else living in the Western region uh, or the Northern Peninsula or in Labrador. And then if you live elsewhere on the island, you can access that same service through our St. John office. Um, mental health and addictions offices also distribute these kits free of charge. So you can walk into any of those uh, clinics during their doorways programs or their daily operational um, times and request a naloxone kit as well. And I understand um, there's some work being done in Stephenville uh, to 
make the kits more available in the Stephenville Bay St. George area? Yeah, so we're working right now on a partnership uh, with the people of the Don Indigenous Friendship Center and the Community Mental Health Association. Um, they have um, a van actually that they want to utilize for this purpose to have a mobile delivery service available, much like what we have in Cornerbrook and St. John's. And so we were hoping to get that up and running uh, this month, but COVID has sort of uh, pushed uh, back our timeline a little bit as we're not able to get people together to do uh, trainings and then um, many community agencies are not open for service delivery right now um, uh, you know we're all doing things remote and contact free um, so we are hoping to schedule that for February and be off the ground but that will run on Thursday evenings and people can get access to the swap supplies that we always give out uh, you know syringes sterile works with the goal of reducing harms associated with substance use and there will be naloxone kits available through that program as well and also we now have a product uh, for testing your drugs for fentanyl so that's a you know that won't always test positive for any type of uh, synthetic uh, opioid like fentanyl like the iso that we mentioned however it will tell you if there is fentanyl in the drug that you have purchased and then you can just have some more information about how to safely go forward perhaps not use the drug um, but also other safety messaging like starting lower, going slower, uh, making sure you have a naloxone kit and knowing how to use it and knowing um, or teaching the people around you how to use it as well. Because if you're experiencing an overdose, most likely you will not be the one administering the naloxone to yourself. Right. And that's, a, that's a good point because, you know, maybe um, we think of naloxone kits for people uh, using drugs recreationally, but it might be that you have a senior in your home who has some kind of painkillers. Maybe they forget that they've already taken their medication. Maybe, yeah, they're, maybe there are kids who get into the medicine cabinet and, um, and take the, uh, and, you know, take uh, prescription drugs. So maybe many houses should have an naloxone kit, just, just the way we have a fire extinguisher. Maybe that should be part of our safety, our home safety apparatus. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone that has, um, you know, opioid prescriptions is certainly, uh, you know, in this in the criteria for someone who should have a naloxone kit, like you had mentioned, especially um, for older individuals who might be experiencing, um, you know, symptoms of dementia and things like that at that point in their lives. And if they've forgotten that they've taken their medication already um, for their pain, their pain medication, their opioids, and then they take it again, then they're very vulnerable to an overdose. So I think sometimes we typecast that the, you know, naloxone kits are for a certain kind of person. And that's certainly not true. There's a very wide range of people um, who should have access to a naloxone kit in the case of an emergency. And, you know, we're also seeing that these um, illicit fentanyl ISO drugs are also being laced in with things like cocaine and ecstasy and uh, drugs that, you know, younger populations are sometimes using um, more recreationally. And so, like you said, even when we're talking about having youth in the house, maybe you were speaking more to younger children getting access to the medicine cabinet, but even, uh, you know, older um, children who may be starting to experiment with certain uh, new types of drugs and things like that. Yeah. It um, might be a week. It maybe is just a weekend party, you know, and they, um, yeah. and they get, um, you know, what they think is ecstasy for that event. And, um, and, you know, there is, they get something that they're not planning for and, you know, and bad things can happen. So once again, I guess the important thing is communication that um, we need to bring it out of the shadows and, um, 
and introduce people to naloxone kits and, and prevention. And one of the, you know, really dangerous pieces is using alone, um, because as we just mentioned, most likely you're not going to be administering naloxone on yourself. And so we always tell people not to use alone if you can help that. But like you had just mentioned, there's a lot of stigma um, associated with drug use, particularly injection drug use. And so a lot of people don't have anyone that they feel comfortable telling. Um, so there are actually a couple of resources for people who use alone. There's the Brave app, uh, which you can download on a smartphone or tablet. And this connects people who use drugs with community members when they're vulnerable to overdose. So it's anonymous, private, caller-led. And basically, it's um, an app that allows the user to um, have safety contracts that are done on their terms. So themselves and a volunteer with this program, which could be anyone um, across the country, I believe, it will check in on them on an agreed upon schedule. And then if they can't get through to the person, the idea is that 911 will be dispatched to their location. So they don't actually have to interact or tell anyone that they know personally, um, if that is something that they're not comfortable doing. And then there's also a National Overdose Response Service line as well, 1-888-688-6677. And this is the same idea, except as opposed to being app and text-based, it's a telephone line. So someone will check in on you um, and make sure that you're answering the phone. And again, if they can't get a hold to you, there's a contract and agreement between you and the other person that they will send services to ensure that, uh, you know, you are well and that you are okay. Mm. Now, there might be some people who um, are a bit squeamish about using uh, needles, about using the syringe. I understand there is uh, an alternative uh, thing available, uh, which you had to buy, but for Halibut members is available under the non-insured health benefits program. Yes, a nasal naloxone kit, and it is insured under the uh, non-insured health benefits for First Nations and Inuit individuals in Canada. Um, so essentially, you can go into a pharmacy and request a nasal naloxone kit, and if the pharmacist doesn't have it in stock, they can still write the prescription and then order it so that it um, it'll come into the pharmacy and then you can pick it up um, within the, you know, the next few days or what have you. Um, so I actually uh, checked in with a, a pharmacist that I have a connection with in Stephenville to ask what the process was. And so that came firsthand from a pharmacist that this is how to go about requesting that. And just on the naloxone kits, I think uh, they're also available in Stephenville at the Shoppers Drug Mart. Yes, that is correct. So the, uh, that pharmacy is distributing free naloxone kits. Now, many pharmacies will have them um, there for purchase, but this Shoppers Drug Mart in Stephenville um, has been connected as a kit contact under the provincial program, and so is distributing the kits uh, free of charge through their pharmacy during uh, operating hours. And that's the Shoppers on Queen Street in Stephenville, I think. In the mall, yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. Great, Jessica. So important information for people, you know, have the naloxone kits um, and check in, make sure you have, you know, support uh, when you're using, and because these are dangerous times. So uh, take precautions to uh, in, in these times. That's the message for people. Absolutely. Okay, Jessica, nice to talk to you. Thanks for the work you do. Oh, thank you for having me to speak on this very important topic. And just once again, our number is 709-634-SWAP, and that will be 634-7927. If anyone would like to reach out with any questions or would like to order a naloxone kit or some fentanyl test strips. Jessica Rex, the SWAP Harm Reduction Manager in Cornerbrook. Before we go, a bit of news from us here at Mingba Matters. 
we'll have a new member of the team in the next few months. Rachel Dial comes to us from the School of Journalism at the University of King's College in Halifax, where she's a master's student. She'll be helping us with research and other things, and chances are you'll be hearing her right here very soon. And thanks to King's for the editorial support. And that's it for episode 204. Mi'kmaq Matters is made possible by listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Matters or email transfer mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Emsit Nogamath.